to episode 119 of Inside AgriTurf, the first of 2024. I'm Chris Biddle, and many thanks for joining me. The podcast is back now after a Christmas and New Year break and raring to go. I'm currently finalising the episode schedule for the coming six months, together with a number of changes. More about that very shortly. The next episode will feature my conversation with Dan Schultz in the U.S., who describes himself as an agribusiness psychologist. And I bet you can't wait to hear what that actually means. The final episode of 2023, called In The Mix, featured some outstanding extracts from episodes published during the past four years. But was something missing? It unfortunately mirrored the perception and reality of land-based engineering being a male-dominated industry. So I'm kicking off 2024 to redress the matter with another in-the-mix selection, reminding you of just a few of the memorable contributions from women guests who have appeared on Inside AgriTurf over the past few years. And I start with memories of one of the most admired and respected ag industry leaders of recent years, the late Caroline Drummond, MBE, who sadly passed away in June 2022 at the age of 58. Caroline was a pioneer of sustainable farming and food production, and for more than 30 years, she was the driving force behind the global charity LEAF, that's linking environment and farming, founded in 1991. One of Caroline's most important achievements was the development of the Leaf Mark, a UK-based farm assurance scheme signifying homegrown produce grown to approved environmental standards and now adopted by the likes of Waitrose and Tesco. Caroline also oversaw the introduction of Open Farm Sunday in 2006 when each year farmers opened their gates to the public, typically attracting more than 250,000 visitors. Although she had been diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer, Caroline was still working hard in the weeks leading up to her death. And I recorded this interview with her in February 2022, just weeks before her passing. First, I had to ask about the origins and the development of LEAF. Actually, we're part of a, a pan-European project. So the real trigger was a project that started off in Germany. And it was to reposition agriculture in the minds of the general public with funding from the European Crop Protection Association for three years. So we were the second project was France, Germany, Sweden, Luxembourg, Spain, the Netherlands and Austria. And um, I was a lecturer. In fact, I was a, a crops lecturer and uh, machinery lecturer. I uh, did cultivations in particular at uh, Shuttleworth Agriculture College and saw the job. But I was interested in ensuring this was not just a PR job for farming. This had to be grounded on the balance of productive agriculture along good environmental aspects, which was exactly what the Germans were doing. So the starting point was very much based around a whole farm approach, site-specific, called integrated farm management, which to this day 
is the framework that holds true to our values and what we deliver. It's a more circular agriculture. It meets the outcomes that are being looked at through regenerative agricultural approaches. It's, it touches nature-based solutions and it touches agroecological solutions. So the grounding uh, was to set up a network of demonstration farms, partly for the public, but actually also to inspire farmers because we came through the 80s in a focused agriculture that was all about production. And we have seen our biodiversity reduce. I think since 1970, there are 40 million less birds in the UK skies, which is really quite scary. So the importance of us as an industry addressing environmental aspects, be they biodiversity and straight nature, or be they in the more refined area of ensuring that our soil is healthier and it's not just the chemical and the physical aspects, but it's the biological aspects. Our water is working for us and our air quality is improved. I think that was the, that was a really big starting point for us. And over the years, we have grown as an organisation and have a fantastic network of can-do demonstration farmers and innovation centres beacon farms that are just starting up now. And of course, we run Leafmark certification. Waitrose and Marks and Spencers have been big supporters over the years. And now Tesco uh, have said all their UK fresh produce will be Leafmark certified by the end of this year and globally by the end of 2024. And for Lidl, all their UK produce by the end of 2023. So we're seeing huge growth, both in the marketplace, but also in the desire for farmers to ensure that they are getting it right in how we combat climate change. One of the premises for holding this particular session is there is no doubt, is there, that young people are very much more engaged in the environment these days than they were perhaps even 10, 15 years ago. Um, one of the um, initiatives I see that you run is a, is a food farming and natural environment school of the year Interestingly, I see a school in Manchester actually won the last year. Mm. Do, do you take any lessons from the, the, your experiences of teaching the environment to young children? Do they get particularly engaged with it? Oh, they love it. I mean, the great thing about agriculture, it touches all five senses. So it gives a learning uh, experience for all learning needs and all learning types. So from that point of view, hugely, hugely engaging. And so many people are not in the privileged position that we are in the farming sort of world to actually get behind the story of farming and see all the wonders of what goes on. So it's been great. The leaf education team have run uh, this competition and uh, it's all been taking about, about taking the highest uh, academic ability. So that's been number one. Uh, of 14 to 16 year olds. The prize is a weekend at Clavassi College, Agriculture College, and it has to be about engaging and meaningful impact. You know, this is not a light touch marketing approach. This is something that's going to drive change. And oh my goodness, you know, the response has been simply amazing uh, for the teachers as well who go along. 
And uh, I think one of the great successes, and we certainly hadn't expected this one coming, was over a third of the winners who have gone out. So these are several schools that, you know, compete, have now gone on to land-based agricultural colleges and universities. So, you know, tick, success. I guess it's a challenge, isn't it? Because there are so many messages that we receive every day from so many disciplines, whether it be policing, whether it be food, nutrition, uh, machinery, innovation, etc. So I think for us, what's really important is ensuring that these messages land at the appropriate time and to the appropriate audience. So for Open Farm Sunday, that services young families. So it will be grandparents and grandchildren, or it'll be parents and children. Uh, it isn't about teenagers. And, and we've done a lot of work with teenagers and things like the, the, you know, the competition has been absolutely fantastic for that. And then the other thing is, of course, making it relevant, making it relevant for teachers. Teachers are highly professional. They are incredibly busy. And so if you can make sure that the materials that will support their classes are relevant, curriculum focused, right age group, you know, you're on to a winner. And there again is our opportunity as farming. It's not about saying, oh, let's have a GCSE for agriculture. It's actually, let's make sure farming weaves its way into absolutely every single GCSE and A-level. And when they come through as well, the T-levels, um, yeah. because, you know, we, we've got the perfect excuse, you know, whether it be absolutely. biology, physics, chemistry, right through to mass, French history, you know, agriculture's there all the time. Well, there you see what an inspirational, forward-thinking leader the industry was privileged to have in Caroline. She graced our sector with so much common sense and vision and left us far too soon. Thank you, Caroline, from all of us. Land-based engineering has such a wide and varied sphere of influence. My next guest is Marion Perrett-Pearson a member of the Institution of Agricultural Engineers, who is a senior agricultural advisor to Severn Trent Water. And this episode was recorded in 2022. And I asked Marion about her route into the water industry. Originally, I was the head of geography in a secondary school, so I was quite interested in what Caroline was saying. <laughs> and I did a master's in postgraduate food security in a changing environment, and I came in that way. Working with Seven Trent, so obviously when we work with the farmers to reduce pesticide pollution from pesticides, either point source pollution or diffuse pollution. And do and and um, are are farmers mostly receptive to your visit to to a farm? You talked about money just now, and obviously that's a, that's a big pool. But um, uh, generally, do they welcome the advice that you give and your visit and so on? Yeah. Um, so we we have opportunities, funding opportunities from the water companies seven trend provide money for us sorry there's an awful lot of noise behind me just it's my lot yeah what our team do is we reduce the pollution in the rivers and that contributes to the river environment its habitats for wildlife and native plants but at the same time seven trend will work with the farmers to improve water quality but what we're trying to do is also um, create financial savings for other customers 
So by reducing the costs at water treatment plants th- through catchment management, sometimes it can be as much as £20 saving for every pound spent in catchment. So they, there is a financial incentive for, for Seven Trent and other water companies to have good catchment management. But it also then that money can then be read, fed back through either as savings on customer bills, but it can also go towards things like our green recovery project. So we have at the moment that stands at £566 million for making improvements to wastewater treatment plants. So that all the, the news about uh, sewage outflows and so forth, all of that is being improved all the time. Seven Trent itself, we've got what, uh, 6,800 kilometres of rivers and we've actually committed by 2025 to improving 4,000 kilometres of them. That will be complete by 2025. So even though we don't own the rivers, we do work really hard to make those improvements. Yeah, there has I've seen recently some press and TV coverage about pollutions in rivers for particular people who want to go wild swimming and, and so on. Um, how much does agricultural uh, impact um, have on, on water quality? Oh, it's this thing where everybody is responsible. We don't, Seven Trent don't own the rivers. Farmers don't own the rivers. Everybody's responsible for cleaner rivers. And we have to spend our time educating, let's say, educating domestic customers even for the use of wipes and tree products that end up in the rivers. So the reduction and things like that and where the beer bin are not a blocker, uh, fats and oils. We also have to work with the farmers on optimal spray windows to make sure that people understand about spray drift, different types of nozzles volatilization of sprays if it's it looks like a beautiful hot sunny clear day but actually the spray can then just drift off into the atmosphere and then come down when it feels like it so there's a huge amount of as about the engineering side of things that we have to know and understand and then be able to communicate and engage that back to um, the farmers in terms of how much i'm sure it's quantified the amount that, that there is from the agricultural sector but we're playing our part in making sure that there's those reductions from every sector because we need clean rivers there's no way around that and uh, it's something that we all have to be uh, committed to creating is that Uh, higher water quality and and does the weather play a particular part in your sort of day-to-day activity i don't mean getting wet when you go out but generally (laughs) excess rain and rainfall in in the areas that you cover if it affects anything that affects farming practices affects what ends up in the river yeah. So heavy rainfall, the result is high runoff. You could have something like high winds or even medium rain- winds. You get increased spray drift. Um, all of those things contribute to uh, to our problems. In a recent initiative, the Cross-Industry Land-Based Engineering Training and Education Committee, that's uh, LITA, organises an annual Technician of the Year competition. In 2021, the winner was Laura Basnett and the runner-up, Lauren Savage. And we'll hear from Lauren in a moment. But first, Laura who is a service technician for Ernest Doe at their Fifield branch. And I wanted to know about her route into land-based engineering. And firstly, look, congratulations on winning technician for 2021. Have you, have you had much feedback on that from anybody or everybody? Oh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, firstly, from Ernest Doe's, that the response I've received 
is lovely and it's honouring to have been awarded yeah. to promote the company in a way. Sure. And you know, the company, they took a massive gamble on me by taking me on. I knew nothing. I came from no background of agricultural engineering and for Angus Doe to take me on, yeah. purely out of my passion for the job, and then to have come back with this award, it means the world to me. New recruits are hard to attract into the industry and women recruits of course are even harder hence the interest in your story so you, you said you had no background in agricultural engineering so where did the trigger come from I spent a lot of time in Australia and New Zealand after school I, I moved over there yeah. uh, I had a few friends that were working in the industry over there and we I did a lot of corn carting uh-huh. being in, in seeing my friends work in the industry they always be out on the road traveling fixing machinery and I think that was the light bulb moment for me was something I love the outdoors I love being outdoors and I love being hands-on and I love agriculture as such whether it's a farming show or my Yorkshire farm or anything like that it's always been an interest and I think that's what was the moment I thought this could potentially be a career I'd like to take but being yeah that I was quite young back then I was 19 20 and I never had the confidence to enter an industry or and embark on a career that I knew nothing about but I think no. now that I'm older I've traveled a bit uh, I've met a lot of people around the world start a conversation up with anyone I think having that I then feel confident enough to go into an industry and give it my best shot uh, absolutely, because obviously there are technical roles in in a lot of other sectors like the army, the armed forces, and construction, and, and marine, and automotive. But uh, it was the agricultural side that hooked you, was it? Yeah, I think growing up in the country, seeing the farmers out on the tractors, especially as a kid, I always used to go and walk the dog. And during harvest, you'd hear the combines through the night. And like I said, I love watching the farming shows online and everything and on telly. And I think that was just something that's always just been an attraction to me. And my friends being farmers themselves, working on farms, having the chance to sit in their tractors with them, just sparked up an interest. And I thought, I'll I'll give it something that's niggling away at me. I think I need to give it a go. And I think it was the best choice I've ever made. And so when you got back from Oz, New Zealand, what was the first step? How did you go about to get gaining a place in the industry? I thought because I don't have enough experience, I have driven a few tractors and that, but not enough hands-on machinery experience. I thought the best bet would be to obtain some form of qualification to be shown that I'm serious for this for, for to be taken seriously in the industry and so I did approach Reese College to see if I can get onto one of their college courses obtain a qualification and then try and get my foot in the door that way that was my thought process initially but I didn't realize now looking back in hindsight there is a lack of engineers in the industry and whether I needed to take that route or not or whether I should have just approached the dealership up front Hmm. But it has it did help me. It got my foot in the door. It, it allowed people to take me seriously and to show this is a passion that I really want to do. And this is a career I really want to embark on. And so, yeah, if I had to take a few years out to study to make that point, then that's the, that's what it is. So but, was this a full time course then, Laura, or a block release? Uh, how did it work? Yeah, it was a full time course. It was a two year course. OK. Uh, how- However, you did have the option of a sandwich year in between to work out in the industry work experience, which was optional. And having no experience, that was the route I was going to take without a doubt, because I don't feel I, I, would, I wouldn't have been confident enough to have finished the two year course and have gone out into industry. So, yeah, I took the year out. 
And how was life at Reese Heath then? Uh, it was really good. Um, it was different, obviously, being a mature student. Yeah. I didn't quite think how different it would be to work and be in a cohort with a much younger group of people especially young boys farming backgrounds <laughs> yes so yeah that was interesting but I'd, I'd like to think that they looked up to me in a way because I have traveled I've explored the world yeah. and I've worked in lots of different industries but then again I needed them just as much as they needed me they've had invaluable experience growing up on the farms with their dads and working mm. on the tools which I never had and I really needed that so I think we all worked off each other really which was quite beneficial. Uh, so at that time you'd already approached to Doe had you and they'd offered you a place whilst you were at Reese Heath was that the way it worked? Yes yeah, so part of the year out was to work in the industry and so you had to find a company or a dealership that would take you on. And I approached Owners Doe saying, can I take my year out with you? I need to complete X amount of work experience hours and then hopefully see if we can continue this on. And they was all up for it. So, And you had a very positive experience in, in talking with them and, and chatting about the opportunities that might be within their company. Oh, yes. I, I think the, the passion that I had for it gone through and and they took a they did but they did take a massive gamble on taking me on because I knew nothing. Yeah, but it, it has. I'd like to think that it has paid off. Uh, and when you joined them, sort of full time after Reese Heath, what, what were your first jobs with the company? I think to start off with, because I knew nothing, we went back to basics, and I was put on working on lawnmowers, yeah. uh, stripping them down, getting familiar with the, the tools I'll be using especially because I had no idea about the sizing of spanners or anything like that or how tight to do a bolt up, things like that. It was just going back to basics. So I worked on a lot of lawnmowers, stripping them down and such. Yeah. And then I did a lot of shadowing with the other technicians, yeah. going out, meeting the customers, building a rapport up and not being hands-on as such at first, just getting comfortable and confident with the people I'll be working with um, and the jobs that I'll be And how was your relationship, Laura, with the other, the techies particularly, as opposed to your classmates at Reese Heath? They would have been older and obviously more experienced. And, and how did they accept you? Yeah, I think there, there is a lot of mutual respect there between us all. Great. The more I put in, the more I seem to get out of it because I'm so passionate for it and I want to learn as much as I can with my time at Ernest Doe's, everyone is on board just to help support me and give me as much knowledge and experience possible. There's guys that have been there well over 30 years yeah. and that experience and what they've come across is invaluable and it's done my learning wonders. And so far, what, what do you find the best part of your job? Uh at the moment, I'm really getting into the combine side of work. I love, I've been doing a lot of winter servicing. I love going out because you're always out on the farms. You're meeting the customers, building up rapport with them. How are you accepted by customers? Are they welcoming? Are they, are they surprised when you turn up, even with somebody else? Yeah, I think initially uh, there was a few customers that was quite surprised, whether that was because I was a young female starting off or because I wasn't from ag background. A lot of people would say, why? Why are you doing this? Because they've got to know me. I've had positive feedback on my work. Good. And hopefully over time I can install my confidence in them that I will be capable and competent enough to work on their machinery. 
but yeah, everyone has been really welcoming. Are there any standout moments of, of real pride that you found or funny moments? Anything that comes to mind? I think what I find, which is a really nice feeling, is I do a lot of running and walking in the evenings. And especially when you're out and about and you can see a tractor or a combine out in the fields that I've worked on, that I've got back up and running through a harvest. Um, that is a real sense of achievement. And you can connect with that, the, the machine itself and the operation and the end result. Yeah. And just to say hi to the local farmer. How's it going? Is everything all right? that side of things is, um, and, and and round five field it's a fairly close-knit community is it so a lot of people know one another and so the yeah, news, news of your presence everyone. probably spreads yeah word travels fast chris Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do your friends think of your job d does it interest them and because maybe some of them are not involved in the industry uh, as you are yeah, I think at first they were quite surprised that I took a leap into a totally different career. But they know me and my character. I love to be outdoors. I love to be hands-on. And so this job just suits me to the T. I found a job that I love and I've settled into. And I, this is a career path that I'm going to be taking now. And so next, the 2021 Technician of the Year runner-up, Lauren Savage who initially worked as a technician for a Lister Wilder branch, now Chandler's, in the West Country, but left to go back into the automotive industry for a short while, but is now a technical trainer for AP Air Europe, a supplier of air conditioning units for agricultural and construction vehicles. So what goes round goes round. Lauren, how did you get into the industry? My dad used to do a little bit of tractor driving, but other than that, growing up, I had no experience. I think from what you said, that your initial passion would have centred around the car industry. Right? So I have always been into cars. Even I'm still into cars now as a hobby, but as a job, it just wasn't wasn't for me. But yeah, I used to go to all the car shows with my dad at Sandpod Raceway. The more we went, we got talking to some teams. And there was one particular team, Andy, and he had racing a 55 Chevy Bel Air. And we got talking and he said, did I want to go onto the actual strip with them and help with the setting up and everything there? For a few weekends, I went down and would help work on the car. Um, and that was just as I was getting into an apprenticeship for Hyundai, so into the automotive industry. I decided when I was a really young age, I want to be a car mechanic. I love cars. I like engines. And I never really thought of myself going into the bigger things. And so you took an apprenticeship with a Hyundai dealer, is that right? Yes, I took an apprenticeship with Hyundai, who are based in Bristol. I started like an internship, so I'd do Saturdays until I finished school and got my results. Um, and then they took me on for a full-time apprentice. And so what was really, what would you say was the trigger to you finding an interest in agricultural engineering? So in 2018, I met my partner, Greg, and he did a bit of like contracting. He didn't have a tractor, but he contracted to drive in other people's tractors. And he was just moving into the forestry sector as he was a tree surgeon. And obviously in forest, you got big tractors. And I started to go out on a few days work with him, like on my days off. And I was like, this is really cool. I really like tractors and what they can do and go. And he introduced me to farming. We watched watching a few videos, started going out and seeing the tractors and then started with country shows. And I was just blown away. 
And, and so um, in terms of learning more about the industry, did you sort of throw yourself into trying to learn as much as you could about Literally, it? I would start videos and use the different tractors and then realising that Vultures are mainly the most common tractor to be used in forestry. And then I moved on to farming. And then, you know, I was like, I only live once. I, yeah. I'm really loving this. Why don't I just do it as a job? I wasn't enjoying cars at this point because it's just passion on the side you start doing the same thing every day working on the same cars every day it becomes really tiresome for your hobby on the weekend and I was coming home and I was like I don't really want to work on cars it was killing my passion farming and being in the tractor industry is completely different every day is a different day and how did you how did you go about obtaining the sort of role that you've got now as an apprentice in agricultural engineering so I didn't know where to go what to start with and I knew of, of Lister Wilder anyway like I knew that they dealt in tractors and they were my most local branch of tractor dealing and I was like let's just go in and inquire it might not go anywhere it might not be the time but let's just do it and <laughs> funnily enough within a week again I was sat in front of uh, Steve and Tony my interviewers and I was being interviewed for the job <laughs> yeah were they uh, at all apprehensive about taking you on they probably didn't have too many girl apprentices so yeah no, no there wasn't another girl female mechanics and engineers are more common in cars but they i didn't sense any apprehension i just went in and was myself and they loved it but tell me about your apprenticeship um what, what's the term in the apprenticeship and you're presumably uh, are you doing a block release course at college so i'm on an agco apprenticeship and that involves me going to warwickshire college so morton moral there's not it's not every few months we have a set timetable but we've just finished our first academic year so i think i'll be going back in september but i'm released for about four weeks at a time away from work sometimes five weeks depending and then i go there for four weeks and then come back to work and resume as normal until the next block you you started to, to to talk about the difference between working in the car industry and working on tractors uh, what's the biggest difference is it a question of being down and dirty and in, in the muck and bullets and tractors in all weathers <laughs> yeah uh, rather so, than a, a, a clean homogenized workshop yeah so every day is different you could be on the same tractor for a couple of days in the workshop, but end of the day, you get to go out to different farms, you get to meet different people, see different versions of farming and the different tractors and applications they use it for. And you never, you will do the same job twice, obviously like a service, but it's never the same. And I love it. From the experience you've had so far, what's the most satisfying part of your job? What do you enjoy most? I think... I'm learning every day. Like some engineers who have been in trade 20 years plus and to see them still learning every day, I just like the that aspect that it's never going to get old and boring. The ag industry has got less women working, particularly in technical roles. With it. how do you get on with your male colleagues, and also how do you get on with, with the customers? That you have you been exposed to many customers yet? Yeah, yeah, I have definitely. So with my colleagues, they're like family. Like I couldn't ask for a better workforce. It helps that since school, I've been in a male industry, male-dominated industry. I'm used to how they are. I'm used to like just the jokes and everything they have. But it honestly, yeah, they're like family. And with the customers, sometimes it's a bit of a shock. You do see them, you go out to these very like rural farms and they're like, oh, wow, there's a girl. <laughs> but so lovely. And you're there to do a job and they understand that. And I think as long as you get that job done, they can't complain. Lauren, and, and so in talking to anybody outside, obviously passionate about your job, how, how would you sell it to others, either male or females? 
honestly, if you want it, go for it. Don't hold back. Make sure you put everything into it. Like it is a physical job. It is physically demanding and it does get tiring, especially in this weather when you're out under a tractor with hot oil and everything. It does get physically demanding. But if you throw everything into it, you won't regret it. Seeing a tractor you've spent all day on and how happy and grateful he is to have his tractor back it is just, yeah, you can't beat no other feeling like it. And finally, to an episode I recorded in June 2021 to mark International Women in Engineering Day, when I spoke to Poppy Burrow, who at the time was an apprentice with JCB, and I asked her what piqued her interest in agricultural engineering. I've always wanted to work in the agricultural sectors since I started Young Farmers. I did work experience AgVet and I did work experience in the Agricultural State Agency. Mm -hmm. After a week at the vets, I knew that that was not for me. (laughs) And then after I started at Kingston Moorwood doing agriculture there, I took a bit more of an interest on the machinery side of things. Yeah. So what Um, course did you you do at Kingston Moorwood then, Poppy? Level three extended agriculture. And so that could have taken in into all sorts of branches of agriculture. But it was engineering that you plumped for. Was that that because of an opportunity or did you go out on work experience or or what happened? Uh, So my dad's an ag engineer as well. Oh, is Um, he? Yeah, owns a business that he started the year I was born. I've always been around it. Where is that? I believe you're from Axminster area? Yes, you're just outside Axminster and Hawkchurch. Look out the window and there's usually a tractor parked outside. So after you came out, out of Kingston Moorwood where where did you go from there did you find other posts that you were able to get into and what was the sort of reaction that you got from potential employees so I passed my driving test in December 2017 and it was from then that I started looking around into the ag engineering opportunities a little bit more because just out of ease of getting there and everything Uh, it seemed to make more sense to do it that way around. So I looked into a few different places. And the first one I went to said that the workshop wasn't the right place for a young woman. Um, <laughs> That's very stereotypical, isn't it? Yeah. And also, I don't actually think you can really get away with saying that. I think that's something that's a bit of, <laughs> I go to say a grey area, but it's definitely a, a no-go to the no, wrong absolutely. person. I think it could get you absolutely. into trouble. Mm. So I carried on looking and one of my friend's dads, I spoke to him about it one day and he has a Deutz from a dealer in Dorchester. Yes. And spoke to them about me and then I rang up. So that was MJ Fry's in Martinstown and they took me on for the summer and I worked for them a good few days a week. And how was your initial impression in working in that environment? Just reminded me of dad's business and being around the workshop there. Uh, and how were you were accepted by the rest of the staff and the customers and so on? Absolutely fine. Didn't Good. have any issues. I did a mix of a lot of stuff within the workshop and in the stores, doing parts yeah. and stuff like that. So I got yeah, quite yeah. a good exposure to the different aspects. Uh, and, and so, Poppy, what was your route into JCB then? So the same friend's dad that got me experience at MJ Fry's took me and her to Grass and Muck at Shepton Mallet in 2018 
And when I was there, I asked every single dealership and manufacturer I saw for apprenticeship information. Yeah. A few were no, or sorry, we didn't have anything, or having to travel really quite far, which is ironic looking at it now when I live yes. up in Staffordshire. <laughs> but JCB were the ones that were most interested. And they actually held a conversation with me about it. And I spoke to another apprentice on the stand and he told me about his experience and then put me into touch with the HR team up here. And I think I was a bit of a, an odd case because I didn't go down the usual route of the application. So I was put on the very last assessment centre that they ran for their apprenticeship scheme. So I came up to Staffordshire a couple of weeks after that at Grasslands and got interviewed, went through the assessment centre. And then the day after, they offered me a job up here. So what is the term of your apprenticeship? How long is it going to last? I'm literally about to come off any day now. And so that's been what? How many? Two and a half years. Yeah, I think it should have been just over three, but finished a little bit quicker. And what is your what has your roles been within in the company? I guess you've been through a lot of the company, both internally and externally. So the first year I was at college at the JCB Academy four days yep. a week and I was in the workplace in JCB Landpower one day a week and then after I, well, I was probably for about nine months actually and then after I had done that I swapped around and I was in the academy one day a week and in the workplace four days a week yes um, and I had different placements laid out so I did quality and warranty experimental products test and development and I was meant to do a dealership placement and a service placement but uh, that was obviously stopped due to of course coronavirus and oh I did ag sales as well which is where I've ended up now I, I, I guess with a company like uh, a global company like JCB uh, would seem to be more uh, in line with the increase in its diversity. I think a few years ago it said it wanted to increase uh, and its ambition was to go 50-50 in terms of engineers. I think it's a very fair company in that respect. I think all male-dominated industries, the higher you look in terms of age or experience, it does tend to be less women. I think that's just natural progression. Whereas if you look at my generation in 10, yeah. 15 years time, we're obviously going to have worked up at that point and there'll be yes. women at all stages within yes. JCB. So what's the most enjoyable part that you've found of your role within JCB so far? What have you enjoyed most? I really enjoy delivering the training to customers or to our dealership staff and getting out and about a bit mixing with customers and external staff. And what what qualities so far would you think uh, go to make up an agricultural engineer? Um, I'm not talking just of women engineers. I'm talking about agricultural engineers in general because it's not for everybody. What's your views on it? I think like in any career, it's not always going to be smooth running and good days. And because of that, I do think you need that certain amount of grit or determination um, yes. to keep on even through the slightly rougher times or when things are a bit harder or aren't going to plan. Yes. From that respect, I also think you've got to be a good communicator because like yeah. I said, you're not only dealing with the people that you work closely with, but sure. often you're dealing with your customers or your dealer staff. Yes. And obviously because we're such a, a high order, high cost company that customer relationship is far more important and that level of trust too yeah i understand that also that you you are a stem and 
ambassador has this taken you outside to many places so far and if it has what do you perceive as the outsider's perception of agricultural engineering do they really understand it so pre-pandemic i went to the big bang show in the nec in Birmingham. oh yes yes that would have been march 2019 and i've done a couple events in schools yes. as well one was like very jcb focused and we helped the kids build up the little models of diggers and stuff like that and it created a bit of like a relaxed atmosphere where they could ask, ask you any sort of question without it being a Q&A session as such. Mm. Something else that we did that was quite interesting was about breaking stereotypes. And basically a load of you from all different industries went into a school hall and you couldn't wear anything that was branded, just work clothes as such. And the kids had to guess what your job was from that. And I was put down as an air hostess. <laughs> which oh. I still haven't quite forgiven them for yet. And when yeah. they were asked why, it was because I had a red coat on. <laughs> I see. Which, it is uh, funny. You know, perception is everything they say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it, it's things like that. And having people come in that aren't the stereotype to talk about what they do that makes you think a little bit more outside the box. Sure. So how would you, you sell agricultural engineering to outsiders who knew a little about it? I think the fact that every single day is different what are your sort of short or long-term ambitions have you got them at the moment how do you see see it all panning out for for you so at the moment i'm literally today in the process of trying to apply to university to complete and my degree through jcb yes i've decided rather than an engineering approach to do a business sales professional degree excellent i think that that is more suited to me because of the how specialist my role is on fast track. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the engineering degree would be far too broad and the specifics of the machine I can learn in-house and I have access to them every day. Whereas those personal and business skills are something I perhaps need to build on to be able to move up. Sure. And I, I think that's where one of the weird sides of sexism come in then is because I feel bad admitting that, yeah. that yes. I'm not doing an engineering degree. Yes even though I'm still in that product role and my future ambition is to go into a fast track product specialist. Three years on, Poppy has fulfilled her ambition and is currently a JCB fast track product specialist. So those are just a few extracts from episodes featuring some of the talented women who've appeared on Inside AgriTurf over the past four years. And they are just a few of those who have been persuaded that agricultural and land-based engineering offers them an enjoyable, worthwhile and rewarding career. In the show notes, you will find links from which these extracts were taken. So I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf. <laughs>